Hello, welcome back to the Verbal Ramblers. They're very honourable people. This is season two, episode ten, after episode eight last week, of course. And nine previously. Yeah, so I haven't listened to the last episode. I'll, I'll give it a go in a bit. Um, it's a good one, you'll enjoy it. It's a good one. So it's a precursor to our Trump is special one this week. Which I had nothing to do with. Won't totally be about Trump, but... A large portion will be dedicated to praising the man, you know. Our hero, our, our inspiration. Hero. Yes. Wonderful guy. My muse, my play. <laughs> so what What do you reckon? You wanted to start with talking about uh, domestic goings-on first, right? Yeah, just briefly, because it happened a few hours ago, the Queen's speech that we explained so well last week got passed. The Labour Party tried to put an amendment on which would unfreeze the 1% pay increase for nurses. And it got, it's got the public sector, isn't it? Is it all the public sector, yeah. is it? And it got blocked. Mm. I was here today, it's 1% increase that they've had in the last seven years, like incrementally, mm. 1% per year. Inflation's over double that, and all energy prices have gone up double inflation. And they, But they call it a 1% pay rise, but if it's less than inflation, it's a pay cut. It's not a pay rise, it's a pay cut. It's a pay cut. Let's mm. just take it for what it is. They've increased... It's like when they, it's like when conservatives talk about how they're spending more in schools now than they ever have. That's true. They are spending more than they ever have, but that's because there's more people. They're spending less per head. Yeah. No, I don't care who it is that's saying it. Trump actually used this in a graphic just yesterday. He talked about Medicaid spending going up in their new evil bill, and it is going up a little bit. But obviously, that it doesn't take into account anything else. And he also used a graphic from the year like 1960 to now so it looks like whoa look how much we're spending it's like come on man you know i used to say grossly incompetent but stupid stronger isn't it i don't know as we've already got into trump should we should we do trump let's do trump let's do trump Trump. are you ready (laughs) (laughs) jamie's been teaching chinese children how to speak english I just hear her through the wall. She's like, let's go. <laughs> Can you give you me... You got a banana. Wow. How many bananas do you have? That's right. <laughs> you got a star. This is why when Chinese people come over here, they talk so weird trying to speak English. No offense. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I'm only joking. So coming up, Jamie has some Ivanka quotes you wanted to share with us from her book, right? Some words of wisdom. Yeah, well, this is a little bit old news because Ivanka Trump's book, Women Who Work, was published a couple months ago. But I got really deep into an internet wormhole over it because it enraged me so much. Do you not support women who work, Jamie? I'm I, I'm obviously no feminist. <laughs> yeah, she... I heard it was awful as well. Well, I have not read it, and I never will, but I've read some quotes from it. Life's too short. Um, <laughs> what, one of them being... I mean, there's so many. One of my favorite ones that I've found is over here. Oh, I personally love the word curious. I identify with it quite a bit because I am deeply curious. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? That's a creepily accurate oh. impression. Her whole book is, or her her brand, her lifestyle brand, there's a website for it, and she has a fashion business, but it's all kind of tied to this idea of building a lifestyle. I think in the book she calls it architecting, architecting your life. 
<laughs> wow. And glomming on to this third wave internet feminism and this, even the backlash against her father's presidency, she's grabbing it and saying, I can use that for my own profit and marketing mm. purposes. Because her entire book is about the idea of a woman having it all, which is great. Being able to work and have a family and lead a full, well-rounded life sounds wonderful. But she is so immensely and obliviously privileged that she does not mention any of the other people in her life, like the women uh, she has hired to help raise her children, or any woman, any person under her particular income bracket who couldn't afford the same luxuries she could afford, like being able to stay home from work with your sick kid. Uh, she also is a champion of maternity leave and family leave and talks about it all the time, including in her book. However, in her own fashion business, she did not allow women any maternity leave. She's a monster. How, I uh, yeah, her. I agree with you. She's definitely a monster. I, I, always, I, I find it quite an enigma as to whether she's, whether she's a benign monster or whether she's as bad as Trump, Mr. I, Trump. I think she is a robot who will say anything. I'm still my father's daughter. Not in a PC or like social justice kind of way, but because she is paranoid of alienating potential fans and customers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Of her brand. But when you see her sitting in on meetings when Trump's in there, because they called her the, the real first lady, didn't they? Yeah. There was even a Channel 4 documentary called The Real First Lady. When I see her sitting there, I wonder, is she there because she's taken full advantage of the contacts in order to further her agenda? Absolutely. Or is she this dippy blonde that's really excited that she can sit with the big men? Oh, um, why can it not be both? I don't think I, she's dippy. I think she's, well, I, I hate her, but I think she's like very connivingly clever. Her book sucks. But she didn't write it. She hired some people. I was going to say, well, yeah, but who would you hire to write what you just read? <laughs> that just, that just doesn't make any I, sense. I almost wonder if these ghostwriters are simply taking the mic. Maybe it was one of your Can Chinese you read this students. One? Yeah. This is to show that Ivanka Trump, people don't consider her funny, but <laughs> this is quite funny. Hmm. Where did this come from? Well, I don't know. The incident. I pretty much only drink water, Tazo passion tea, or coffee with half and half, and it's an ongoing joke in the office that I never have less than three glasses of water and some form of tea or coffee in front of me. That goes back to the idiot side. That's what I mean. Whereabouts? Because yeah. that, that's, that's the words of an idiot. Yeah, I know. It is. That's not how people... It, it, do you know what it reminds me of? Have you ever seen the episode of Nevermind the Buzzcocks where Simon Amstel was reading excerpts from... Preston's wife's book Yes. in front of Preston. The Paris Hilton work was a low point for me. It wasn't what I wanted to be doing. And on top of that, it caused me some real problems with my hair. Just uh, He just would read an excerpt <laughs> and then just leave it, leave the public to ponder. Yeah. And eventually, of course, he walked out. Really kind of cruel. It's yeah, that, but Simon I is can't help, cruel, isn't he? I, yeah, I do admit that I laughed. I howled when he did that. Yeah, I did. And and also felt really awkward. Even watching it on TV, you're like, oh. If you like cringe comedy, then it was perfect. I, I pretty much do solely cringe comedy. And a good friend of ours, not a friend of the podcast, Dan, I can't watch any comedy with him because I'm just, I will put The Office on. Yeah. Peep Show, Extras, Kirby Enthusiasm, Rest of Development, bit cringe. You've got three days. Hey. If I can't find a horny immigrant by then, I don't deserve to stay here. Yeah, so, I, I revel in that. If you don't yeah, like, I revel in that. Yeah, if you don't like cringe humour, 
Oh, I just, you're missing so much joy. I think there's been a rape up there. We got more. Another quote. Do you guys want to hear some more <laughs> advice from Ivanka? Please. It's a very laid back podcast tonight <laughs> where we're just talking amongst ourselves <laughs> and sort of genuinely find something relevant to what we're talking about. Yes, uh, it just reveals my complete lack of professionalism. It's okay, we're having a very back laid. Sorry. Back laid. Back laid. <laughs> we're having a very laid back episode this evening. If you think about it, this episode 10 last series, we were drunk all mm. around. Oh my a goodness, fire. yes. In Krogan House in We're Wales. just mirroring that. We're just doing that, but without yeah. the lovely views. Alcohol, fire, and location. <laughs> Here's a bit of work advice from Ivanka Trump. How do you build a world-class team? First, you have to find the right people. <laughs> um, Is that it? Yeah. Do you know what? What more do you need? Don't change it. Just All leave the, it as that. Every single Trump has the ability to speak without saying anything. And even Donald Trump. Donald Trump, you hear him... Uh, watch one of his rallies not just the controversial bits watch him he will manage to speak about something for five minutes without really saying anything but you look at the nuclear deal the thing that really bothers me it would have been so easy and it's not as, as important as these lives are nuclear is so powerful my uncle explained that he's he's not an eloquent man is he like, he, he doesn't have a really good grasp of language. Like, so you see someone like Obama, Obama could deliver a speech with conviction and with a, with a relative eloquence that, that few people could touch. Yeah. Let's be honest. Bill Clinton could really make you know, a rousing speech. George Bush. Our enemies are innovative and resourceful, and so are we. They never stop thinking about new ways to harm our country and our people, and neither do we. All right. Well, in comparison to Donald Trump. In comparison George to Donald Bush, Trump, George Bush said some... Yes, absolutely, right. But with Trump, uh, there are two different things. When he's speaking freely, he doesn't know what the end of the sentence will be when he starts. So, and that happens all the time. He doesn't know. He, you, Which is if why you he can, doesn't typically end them. No, and you'll see him start to build up to something and then go off in a completely di direction. But when you look at what's going on with the four prisoners, now it used to be three, now it's four. But when it was three, and even now, I would have said, it's all in the messenger. And with speeches, he keeps showing up at places and it's talking completely out of context. There was one recently where he started talking about how the media were giving him a hard time. He was at like some memorial or something. And it's just <laughs> thinking, they're not here to hear about how bad your life is as yeah. a billionaire president of the United States. Oh. Well, he's a narcissist. Yeah, so. a total narcissist. He does it every, everywhere he goes. There's a re some really inappropriate ones. But, like. but the difference there is that with Ivanka, with what you've been reading, that's an idiot speaking, uh, in my opinion. But the sentence is formed before she says it, so it's a stupid thing to say. But with Trump, he just kind of goes all over the place, doesn't he? It's why I love about him, because even I was 5% worried when he became president that somehow he'd just be reading off auto queue. It'd be kind of a robot who would just do his stuff and become boring. Someone would take his Twitter away from him. But that hasn't happened, and it's amazing to watch. Even the tweet today, have you seen the latest one? No. About Mika from Morning Joe. This oh, is a cable news show, Morning Joe, and he's saying, I don't watch their show, but basically she's an idiot she, with low IQ and he's and a ratings. psycho. And she, he said the last time he saw her, she was bleeding from her facelift. Delightful. Um, which is like, so th people are going crazy about uh, his whole, you know, sexism, bringing up all the old stuff. 
He's his fifth, oldest hits. He's fifty to one to get banned from Twitter, so maybe that's worth. Yeah, but Melania. This is a few months after Melania gave that speech about cyberbullying. It's just yes. hilarious. Yeah. That that's her, her husband that's is her, the biggest um, cyberbully. Yeah, that's yeah. her chosen her cause. chosen cause. You can. I mean, first lady gets one thing. No, yes. no comedy can rival it. Really, <laughs> it's truly amazing. Once someone pieces together a proper full-length movie of all this shit, it's going to be, for, especially for generations to come, just the most hilarious reality TV show you've ever seen in your life. Well, I was just thinking that Melania's life over the last few years is an episode of Black Mirror because she's just in Europe minding her own business and then she gets bought, let's be honest, by Donald Trump. She gets bought. Then she comes over to America and she's like, this guy's a total narcissist nutcase. And then it just spirals and spirals and obviously the TV programme and everything else. And then she wakes up one day and she's the first lady of the United States. Imagine that. You're just like, oh, this Donald Trump needs a wife. Oh, yeah. That could be interesting. Yeah. And now look. Think of her having to do that speech and then thinking, oh, I'll just watch the last first lady speech. And then she copied it. Imagine how stupid you have to be. We want our children and all children in this nation to know that the only limit to the height of your achievements is the reach of your dreams and your willingness to work hard for them. Because we want our children in this nation to know that the only limit to your achievements is the strength of your dreams and your willingness to work for them. The thing that blew my mind was she has to have speechwriters. There have to be people who wrote that speech for her. It wasn't her. How did that happen? A team of At the time, that they the, the writer said that they wrote her a speech and then she oh, plagiarised. She I chose to plagiarise her, so I she did it. She that. did it afterwards. Yeah. So Thank we can you. really spot her contribution. But this is the queen. This is the queen with the with dressing as a flag all over again, isn't it? It's that whole thing where someone knows. Yeah. <laughs> it's otherwise. It's, is it just Emperor's new clothes? Mm. I'm convinced she's a good person. I've got a little Who, uh, Melania. Uh, um, Melania. I think I, that she's a good person. I, you can see it. I mean, who am I to presume anything from snippets of somebody's life on camera? But you can see in front of the cameras or in any setting with her husband, she is... Let me out of here! Yes! <laughs> I feel so sorry for her. I don't feel sorry for her. What about her life? Has She's had free... Uh, free choice her whole life. She's chosen to marry that man... Who was when? How old was he when but she he was a re- him? But he was a reality TV star billionaire. She didn't think she was going to be. She's the first lady of the United States. I have no sympathy for her. I okay, think she's, I, uh, I understand. I, I I see where you're coming from. I just in those moments because you see him being such an absolute buffoon to her all the time and inconsiderate. And there's clear. There's just no clear affection whatsoever. I agree that there's no reason to feel sympathy for her because she has agency and choice. But it just makes me feel sad. But yeah. she's aggressive towards him, isn't she, in pushing his hand away. Yeah, and, yeah, she ha- there's, and, there's been a lot of that. And when he, there's that famous scene of Trump turning around to look at her and she smiles, isn't she? And then he turns around. Yeah. And, but she doesn't just lose the smile, it's different. And she knows there's a camera zoomed in on her, so she's quite... Clever in that respect, but I think that she's good. And I think you're being deeply unfair, Mr. Crick, because if I said to you, do you want to get in a car and go for, for a ride with me? We'll go around the back roads, mm. go to spot A, mm. and then you jump in and I go and commit armed robbery. 
and then you get locked up for it. <laughs> I don't think it's fair that people go, well, it's his own fault. He got in the think, car to go for a nice drive. I don't think your metaphor is very fair. That's what happened fair. to Melania Trump. Donald, no, Donald Trump I mean, said, do you want to get in my car? She could have got She could have got out at any point. He's always been disgusting. Mm. So He was and, grabbing women by the pussy ten years ago. You know, I find the Melania's role in this quite interesting because in 2017, there is still a need to have a strong and stable relationship. And you have to be pretty much largely straight, but that's gradually changing. And you have to be in this secure, idealistic relationship that everybody else should be jealous of. Preferably and, with children. but uh, Preferably with children, but also it can be so shoehorned. I'm thinking about examples here, like, I, I won't name names, but it's fairly there are, there are fairly obvious examples of gay politicians in this country that have wives inserted into their lives just because they're relatively high up in the cabinet. Really, do we need to do that in 2017? Do we what? need to do that here? Well, Trump's Why president can't we name names? I'm intrigued. Uh, because, because I would just be speculating, and I think that's wrong. I've been living a lie, and she knew it, but now I'm able to go out and enjoy some serious cock, guilt-free, yumma, 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 yumma. Yeah, Michael Gove is probably straight, to be fair. Probably. <laughs> I, Same for William Hague. I, yeah, definitely a straight man. <laughs> But it's clearly, it depends what country, if you look at Italy, look at Berlusconi, I mean, come on, <laughs> Berlusconi put it about everywhere, French presidents, Jack Chirac was, was it Chirac or was it Hollande who was filmed getting on a moped after leaving his lover's mm. apartment, and Donald Trump and Melania are dysfunctional, well, he's president of the United States, so she's maybe his, here. She's his third wife, Newt Gingrich is on his third, there's t- tons of the top Republican senators have, are on their third wife. It's part of the culture up there, really. It's just funny and ironic. I know that Donald Trump, well, he does purport to be a Christian, which is gross, but um, <laughs> but just the fact that the Republican agenda is so tied up with the religious section of America mm. and the idea of morality and religious righthood and the fact that all of these people are... <laughs> clearly do not honor the sanctity of their own marriages while completely aiming to disenfranchise anyone who's not straight from being able to get married. Absolutely. absolutely hilarious. Get your chocolate out of my peanut butter, get your religion out of my politics. That's what I... Like, get, get the... T- separate the two. You don't want chocolate and peanut butter together? No, peanut butter and jam, yeah, but peanut butter and chocolate, no, it's not me. What? Well, I respect that, Hatton, but... You're, <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> So um, what's the... F- let's... Go on. you got another one. I just wanted one one more, if you would, Jamie. Oh, some more Ivanka? Yeah. I'd like to point out these aren't sound bites. This is a professional actress. <laughs> you do. You are doing a good job of that kind of low raspiness. She has... And she also has... A song yeah, she doesn't she, quite... A little bit of Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry. I obviously have a great love and appreciation of jewellery, thanks to my mother, much to the dismay of both my father and my boyfriends. Was that the one you wanted? Yeah. I also just want to say that in her book, most of it, like all of the chapters are separated by these hashtag IT wise words, which are quotations from all kinds of famous people that she has. She has credited them, some of them incorrectly, but everyone is credited. But so much of it, she's trying to shoehorn and apply into her very white, very privileged life. And one of them is a quote from Toni Morrison that's that's directly referencing slavery and being freed from slavery. And Ivanka uses it to reference being freed from our I think she says, Are you 
Are you a slave of your time or are you a master of it? <laughs> Literally, she is so, I mean, there's just, she's so far removed from reality. It's, it's almost sad, the uh, absolute obliviousness. But the world that she's in, which I'm not excusing, is one of such a high amount of wealth and privilege to the point where your entire life is, they probably, she's probably been brought up with a better lifestyle than the royal family of the United Kingdom. That's not unimaginable, is it? I, I do agree that that must have... I mean, besides the fact that it's so much privilege, it also must have been really weird to grow up in that family for all of those kids, and all of the kids are weirdos. Yeah, they are, and, and they're different and ways. And it's not... I mean, I know I just said Ivanka Trump is a monster, and I do hate her um, because of the way she exploits <laughs> movements that are actually important, and for many other reasons, but I also think it must be horrible to be her... In some ways, if, if for no other reason, the way her father sexually harasses her. I've said that if Ivanka weren't my daughter, perhaps I'd be dating her. You know? <laughs> Stop it. Yeah, that is a bit weird, um, isn't it? Like, he has said some bizarre things. He really has. And she, it's clear that she, well, it seems to me that it makes her very uncomfortable, but that she can't express that. But also Trump needs to be loved. It has the most important things. He has to be loved. Yeah. You could go, we could, we could, maybe we should do this as an experiment if you like. One of us should tweet Donald Trump something really offensive and see whether you get blocked by the end of the episode. Because I've got friends who their cover pictures on their page is, is a screen grab of them being blocked by, the, by President Trump. Yeah. Yeah, this is only it's, something that's happened in the last couple of weeks. It's he, becoming like a competition. Can you get banned he got, by Trump? There's an interesting statistic that actually he, he got 5 million new followers two weeks ago, just out of nowhere. And they worked out their Twitter people, they audit people, and half of his uh, followers, 15 million people, are bots. Yeah. Russian bots. And that's why you see a tweet and he'll get 20,000 retweets straight away or something. It's not real people. I never get phone calls. It's all this... He's done it his whole career. He's falsifying his... Following. His, yeah, he's making his following look well, to, be, to be fair to him, man, it won't just be him that's doing that because once you get with Twitter and with YouTube and with a lot of social media platforms, once you get a certain amount of followers, bots will latch onto what you are doing. So once you hit 100,000... YouTube subscribers, for example, you'll instantly go up to about 120, 130. The way of figuring that out is to see what the percentage is to him compared to average then, isn't it? Mm. To see whether the figure's higher. To see whether it is premeditated or not. Is he trying to create more Twitter followers for himself? I wouldn't. That wouldn't surprise me at all, because you can buy Twitter followers. And he's not short of a few, Bob. Yeah, they're robots. I mean, Russia helped him win the election there. A lot of them are just... Russian bots that have been created. Yeah. You got five million in a day. That's like a an organised. Yeah, let's get bot five. Dump. Yeah, <laughs> because bot dump. that's the world we're living in where we have bot dumps. Because dump. Katy Perry and Taylor Swift have more followers than him, and that probably drives him crazy. Yeah. Well, going back to what the point I was going to make with him needing to be loved. Imagine you're a bunker growing up. Instead of it being that your dad's a billionaire who is very reserved and wants you to grow up. Gordon Ramsay's a great example. He said recently that he's got 160 million fortune now. When he's dead, his kids aren't having any of it. And when they fly places, he flies first and their economy. Yeah. Because he says they haven't earned it yet. He's like, why? They haven't done anything. Why are they having first class? And he hates them. And he hates them. He's Gordon Ramsay. He hates everyone. He must hate himself. I try hard. But with, with Ivanka growing up, 
because he's so he's so compelled to please and be loved, she could have had anything. She would have had the most princess lifestyle. And that's why I say it's probably even more extreme than the royals, because the royals have a billion cameras on them all the time. Mm. If you're the daughter of Donald Trump, you could do whatever you want. She could release a sex tape. No one cares, because she's not in that position. So I feel that she is evil, manipulative, dense, but a sort of a, like a Stockholm Syndrome, like a... Yeah. victim of her circumstance. I, the other thing that worries me about her is that she purports herself to be this moderating influence in the White House. She now has this position that is made up and she doesn't get paid. She's a volunteer, so it's okay. It's not a conflict of interest. Um, she's basically his main right-hand girl. Yeah. An advisor, and she she's the voice in his ear. And so she's saying, oh, it's fine, millennials. <clears throat> it's cool. I'm one of you. I'm moderating my dad's weirdo, wacko agenda. It's fine. <laughs> Even if that's true, I just think it's freaky and wrong that she holds this high position having never been elected for anything. And just the nepotism of it is, is insane. Yeah, we're supposed to just trust her blindly. Yeah, exactly. Liberals are like, oh, we, we'll just trust you that you will convince at some point your dad that global, global warming is not a hoax. Right. Cheers, Ivanka. Hopefully you'll get that done. Yeah, her position that's been given is ridiculous. The idea of a president's daughter having a unpaid position in the West Wing, mm. the most powerful building on earth. A tender-hearted woman saw a poor, half-frozen snake. She wrapped him up all cozy in a curvature of silk and then laid him by the fireside with honey and some milk. Now she stroked his pretty skin, and then she kissed him and held him tight. But instead of saying thank you, that snake gave her a vicious bite. I saved you, cried the woman, and you've bitten me, heavens why. You know your bite is poisonous, and now I'm going to die. Oh, shut up, silly woman, said the reptile with a grin. You knew damn well I was a snake before you took me in. Right? So we've had 160 illustrious days of Trump at the, the helm of the United States. Who can... Who, who would like to throw something into the into the ring what's the most colossally stupid thing the man has said or done in the 160 days i i'm still uh, amazed about the uh, admission that he preferred his old life and this was harder than he thought because he said that to the press openly it's not like someone hacks it or anything he just said that openly you're really into your own little cocoon because you have such massive protection that you really can't go anywhere. You think, how are you not seeing how that comes across to everyone? That, to me, is amazing. That question you could ask on everything he's ever said or done, though. That's the thing. None of it's surprising, is it? No. You're never surprised by anything that happens, but that that takes the biscuit. Because I feel now it's more of a circus show than as much of a threat as I used to, because, as I said last week, there's a lot of uh, processes in, a, in the government that's blocking him from doing a lot of things he wants to. And because we've had the Manchester bombings, the Westminster Bridge attack, the Borough Market attack, Grenfell fire, 
I realised the other day that he hasn't actually entered my brain or my media. Mm-hmm. It's because there's been so much things going on domestically. I actually thought if Trump knew how little people in this country were paying attention to him right now, I think he'd be quite annoyed <laughs> going to set fire to his own tower or something. We're 160 days in, the world's still here. And so he's just... He, you, you asked that question, why does he not realise the way that people perceive him what he's saying? It, it doesn't matter, does it? What difference does it make? He's already won the game, isn't he? Because yeah. he's president of the United States. So it makes me laugh when people in this country say that Corbyn's going to be catastrophic and all this stuff's going to happen. And you think, look at America. It's still standing and it has got... Now. Trump versus Corbyn is like no contest to who's the same one and who's the crazy head. Yeah. He has all these... He, in America, he have all these processes that help him not get these laws through that he wants. Yeah, there's a very ingrained system of checks and balances because the founding fathers didn't want it to be like England. <laughs> yeah, unless yeah. unless you want to start a nuclear war, in which case you open a briefcase and you press a button. Yeah, <laughs> <no> <laughs> that's, a, that's really easy. I, I have, let's really stretch and say, just a very light grip on what goes on in American politics. And even from what I can understand, even the actual, the other parts of government that are Republican aren't necessarily supporting him so it's it it's at least there are filters there not in what he says ever but in what he does yeah there there are checks and balances on the power of the president which is positive yes there he he does have some executive privileges that (laughs) give him too much power but that's mostly because i hate I hate the man. I actually think they ought to look at her whole life and see where she's coming from because I think she's got some very deep-seated problems. My number one is the Paris Agreement because it's just, I mean, it's self-explanatory. What an idiot. There's only a handful of countries that aren't signed up to it in the entire world. It's free. Is it three, is it? Including US. America and... And one that wouldn't sign because it didn't think it went far enough. Oh, Greenland. No, it was, it's a tiny country with less than a million people. Right. And it wouldn't sign because it was doing way more already and it didn't think it was ambitious enough. Yeah. I always make the same point. If you are listening to this and, God forbid, you think that global warming is, is a hoax, then you want clean air and we know that fossil fuels don't last forever. So it, it doesn't make any sense anyway, even if you don't don't think it's real. I don't see it. I don't get it. I never understood. Pollution kills 50,000 Brits a year in this country. Yeah. 50,000 people. That's more than car accidents. That's more than terrorism. So even if you don't agree with it, and America with such a massive population, it consumes one quarter of the world's energy per day, but it has 5% of the world's population. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. That's quite a statistic, yeah. Yeah. So that's my one, Well, I chose, I guess, of all the things the man has said and done in the last 160 days, the thing that I guess irked me the most was the thing that I picked. And that's his stance on abortion. But you don't disagree with that proposition that it's murder? What proposition? That abortion is murder. No, I don't disagree with it. Which is basically, unless you've been abused slash raped, there should be no chance of you having an abortion. And there should be consequences if you do have one. There should be punishment, basically, if you do have one. And the idea of of taking the world that far back socially 
uh, is abhorrent to me. Mm. It, it just goes, and the DUP are trying to do it, and hopefully it would seem failing, thank God. But what a thing to say. What a thing to say when you're in that position of power. I mean, how much forethought has really gone into that stance? Yeah. Jamie, what's yours? I, uh, this is cheating, but the Paris Agreement, it's astonishing the lack of regard that shows for the other countries involved, the idea of the world working together to make the world better, and the lack of regard for science. It just, it it blows my mind and it breaks my heart that he has bolstered the stance of people who don't believe anything needs to be done to improve the welfare of, and and (laughs) the continuing existence of this planet. Not even just the the goodness and, and welfare and benefit, but the continued existence of our species on this planet. Probably I'll sue her, because it would be fun. And how often do you manage to get that many countries to agree on anything? Mm. It's anything. an amazing un- unification of, of the world until... Truly until a few weeks ago. Because it takes everyone and it says, this is the direction that we need to go for the benefit of all of us. And these are the industries that we need to go. And it puts everyone on a level playing field, in in the first world at least, where it gives everyone the opportunity to have these markets of renewable energies Mm, and to be doing it all as a collective. Instead of it just being that you have a few nations that take control over the massive industry... Then when all the rest start to collapse, they can bring it in. This is something where the whole world can go together. So, yeah. And it's cooperative. It, it reminds me a little bit of Brexit uh, on a bigger and more heartbreaking scale even. But just that Brexit to me seemed so symbolically devastating because it was a rejection of the idea of globalization, cooperation, international relations, and, and a celebration of immigration and sort of multiculturalism. And this... Even if, you know, all these billionaires and people in power are saying, oh, well, we'll pledge our money and our time and our power to make this happen anyway. That's amazing. But just the symbolic pulling out of such a powerful country in the world is such a massive slap in the face to the idea of saving the planet and respecting the the resources that we get from the earth. But with Brexit, all of our history, for better or worse, is tied up with Europe. And the idea that after a thousand years of border changes and invasions and wars, that you finally reach a point after having a war where 70 million people die, you finally get to the point where you're cooperating with each other. The generation, the older generation, who are the biggest people we wanted Brexit, are the ones that were born after all that chaos, lived all their lives in peace and have seemed to have just completely forgotten that these institutions were put in place to allow them to have that life. And now that they're reaching the end of their lives and they're going to die, they're putting us back out of that and putting us in jeopardy of then causing more sectarianism in Europe and more conflict in the future. Absolutely, yeah. total bullshit. That's not, that's not black brown bullshit. That's going up. A mere, a mere brown belt. <coughs> I'm just teasing you, John. I've okay. got a quick predict... I'll show you then. Yeah, yeah, sure. Quick predicts. So I just want to lay it out. Trump dodged the Vietnam draft five times, okay, because of bone spurs. Okay, I don't know what bone spurs are. John, you probably know. Have you ever, you've had everything. Have you had bone spurs? <laughs> I've never had bone spurs, no. My mum had bone spurs in her knee. Okay. I Well, there you go. It's, it sounds like the sort of thing you want to do if you want to dodge the draft, right? What's the minimum... <laughs> what's the minimum... Uh, 
injury I can have and not go to Vietnam. But yeah, he is celebrated in the modern times as this strong... If you talk to his fans, the first thing they might say is strong leader. It's like machismo. This guy is strong. He represents strength. He has this image. He's portrayed this image. Yet, he is the very definition of a coward. Someone who dodges the Vietnam draft. You know it's not for ideological reasons. We all know what it's for. But I do... My prediction is that he will really open up our eyes and help, in a way, redefine that kind of masculinity and machismo. And in 10 years, it will look so hideously exposed that I think it will be a real warning to to boys growing up. They'll be like, this dude, he was seen as a strong man. And maybe boys growing up will realise they won't need wealth and power to be masculine and feel like a man maybe he'll do a lot to redefine that don't we love that term fake what we've learned about fake over the last little while any thoughts that's so interesting I, it's a very profound yeah. statement yeah no i i, I just come up with it just then <laughs> good job no, um that makes a lot of sense to me i i do think you're right i think it might do our society quite a service to expose the stupidity of that link Mm. between wealth and power and being the boss with being a man i do think it will take time to for it to truly be exposed and for his followers to maybe concede somewhat i think it depends on whether he's successful because if he is successful with america as a successful as a president with his actual policies if there is people being lifted out of poverty that kind of stuff future leaders to be like him the Kanye West but if if it's only by him falling flat on his face I think that your theory works because yeah. but he's not going to succeed well that's that was my thinking maybe I'm being ambitious maybe I'm I don't know I I have to say I want to believe that he will fall flat on his face and be impeached and exposed but I don't know he's like a cockroach the man he simply refuses to die so you could find reasons to impeach him in 10 minutes, though, if you went on Google. In terms of what the law states and what he's done, oh, absolutely. there's no reason why they couldn't impeach him by now. Well, there's, there's, there's being able to, and then there's actually doing it. Because, I mean, Bill Clinton very nearly was impeached, wasn't he? But he wasn't actually. He resigned yeah. in the end. But you do, it, it has a to... Job. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Oh, this is exposing my own lack of knowledge about my government's inner workings, but it has to be passed, and a measure of impeachment has to be passed by both houses of Congress, and that can take forever. They tried really hard, though, didn't they, with Clinton? Yeah. But when you think he was impeached, basically resigned because of a blowjob, it's kind of laughable the amount that Trump has got away with thus far. That isn't technically true because he. The reason it's why perjury. he was. It, it was perjury. Yeah. yeah. But it all come from a blowjob. It did. Excuse the... I can remember a guy coming on BBC, like Tomorrow's World or some crap like that, and he had a, a machine that was a lie detector that you only needed voices for. And this always stuck in my brain when I was a kid in the middle of the 90s. When, when they played him, and they, they played, played Clinton. Clinton and oh, I the, saw that. And the guy said, he went, yeah. The machine says he's telling the truth. And I'll never, ever forget that because I never saw him again. How <laughs> thoroughly struck. I remember the same clip. Yeah, it's just stuck in my brain. Nobody else, it, nobody else listening is going to care, but you and me have a connection. We have a connection. You never know. My, my older sister once told me that this, you know the old school guitar tuners that wave like that? Yeah. I had a microphone and she told me it was a lie detector. 
um, I was very young, I will say, I was only 17 or something. So <laughs> I, I tested that out and fully believed that I was a lie detector until I started learning guitar. <laughs> <laughs> like your magic eight ball. <laughs> to your point, Cook, I'm worried that if he makes it through his whole presidency, even if he does a terrible job, there will be a large section of the population that still says he was a great president. 25, I reckon 30, 25%. Because they need to believe it, you know. And, and so for those people, you're right, it will strengthen that idea of masculinity being so linked with his sort of behavior, boorish behavior. Um, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. With Obama, I, there was a lot of things I used to criticize him for. And then when I actually looked, he did try to pass certain bills to make things better. And they got mm. blocked because the Republicans had control including Guantanamo Bay. That was a great example. Really early on in his presidency, he said he was going to close it and he tried to close it and I assumed he was just talking shit. Mm. So when it comes to the end of his presidency, there's a lot of things that he was crit- that people criticised him for that were out of his control to do. Whereas with Trump, his supporters will blame the system on him not doing the changes he wants. But actually, it's because none of the changes he's making are for the little coal town in Tennessee at all. But you are going to be so proud of your country because we're going to turn it around and we're going to start winning again. We're going to win so much. It's for Ivanka Trump, Donald Trump and his buddies. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't well, either way, whether the president sincere and fails or is evil and fails, they'll just blame it. So, yeah, you'll have that core support still there. John's angry rants. I'm going to um, to read out for John's angry rants this week a... A comment I saw on BBC News, good old BBC News. The the story was about a pregnant Serena Williams posing naked on the cover of Vanity Fair, which I thought was fairly awesome. I'll omit the name, but a comment suggests or says here, I'm sure that she could beat any man, anytime, anywhere. This is in tennis, she's saying. Women give birth. That's harder than anything any man, anywhere does, anytime. Point, set, match. <laughs> now I'm the furthest thing from I, I'm I'm the furthest thing from I'm not the guy that wants to squash all feminism. It's it's something that's very important to me, in fact. But to say that not just men, but if the women, pregnancy is the hardest thing that anyone's going to go through. Let's let's be let's be really really analytical here and think about this. Is going through a terminal illness harder than giving birth? No, I don't think it is, and that's something that a man and a woman can do. So I came back with a comment. So by your logic, Serena, Serena Williams can beat any man at tennis because she's going to give birth to a child. That's pathetic. Regarding your comment about giving birth being the hardest thing a person can go through, there are plenty of things that both men and women can go through that top it. It might be the hardest thing you've ever had to do, but to say that men as a species have never done anything as hard as giving birth is both, ign- both ignorant and rather stupid. And then I wrote at the end, championship point. <laughs> now, that is basically me being a knob. I'm going like, to be completely straight up. But to to say to say that, that that giving birth is the hardest thing anyone has done ever, that it what it does is it's demeaning because giving birth is clearly an incredibly challenging thing and it's something that as a man I want no part of. It's something that I'm glad I have don't have to go through. But I broke my neck in three places. I've 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 given birth to a kidney stone. I've had some some physical pain in my life and. To, to say that men can't go through anything as bad as women go through just because they give birth, to me, is demeaning to all men, and actually to women too. So screw that person. I want to point out that Bruce Willis did also detonate a nuclear device on, a, <laughs> on an asteroid 
to save the world, and I think that that is worse than childbirth. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. That's my opinion. Go on, Jamie, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's a stupid thing to say. Don't know anything about childbirth for on a personal level. But, yeah, that's a stupid thing to say. I John knows this about me, but I get overly... Uh, quibbling when it comes to broad sweeping generalities <laughs> uh, on both sides, and that is one of them. I do think there are some things that women probably experience in terms of the the physical body that you carry around with you your whole life changing completely and being kind of invaded by another thing. That's that's very strange and is different from anything that a man would ever go through. But I don't think that makes it. Whatever. My point is I agree with you. Although I think you you guys need to stay off social media comments. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, to me, the thing that made me... Do you know what it was that made me actually particularly angry about this this comment? Was here's a woman in Serena Williams who's showing off her pregnant, incredibly athletic body, which is something that you should... Uh, like not, not sexually, but it's something to be marvelled at. She's one of the most impressive athletes in the world. And she's going through pregnancy... I think it's really awesome that that, that this is something that's actually being ex- like explored within the media. And here's this person making stupid st- sweeping statements about women are basically better than men because they have to go through the hardest thing in the world, which is childbirth. So, it, do you know what it threw up for me in, in my in my head? My my dad has Parkinson's disease, which is a, a an incurable illness. Don't ever tell me that the hardest thing you can do in the world is is this one thing that only women can do. Because I watch someone every day live with something that's way more difficult. That well, not way more difficult. No, that that nobody could say is surpassed. Mm-hmm. That's my point. It's not that women have it easy in childbirth. I, I wouldn't mean. I wouldn't want to demean uh, women in that respect at all. It, it looks like a really challenging, really, really challenging thing. But don't tell me that men can't go through the same because I believe that they can. I also think it's a very privileged view that shows no perspective. She's just got a massive chip on her shoulder. I wouldn't let it bother you. That's that's just an idiot on the internet. Yeah. She's just got a massive chip on her shoulder. You never felt one of them, have you, Kurt? <laughs> just go and go and spend a go and spend a month in a North Korean concentration camp. Go and get pulled out by a riptide and have to spend two hours in the water before someone comes and rescues. Get shot by the police for no reason. Can yeah, I just say I've had that response from Cook, but when I rang him today, he was he rang, I rang him today. I was like, "What are you up to?" He's like, "Have a listen to this reply. I'm just typing to somebody on Facebook." And it was like full of like it was a vitriolic spew. I love I love you, Cook. That's yeah, but they're two different. No, I don't think that's fair because they're two different scenarios. One of them was I was <laughs> I was arguing with someone because their son had put on Facebook that socialism was evil, and I knew that he had he is now in his twenties and lives in a council house that he lived in his entire life, and he had an accident at school when, in primary school, which wasn't his fault, and he got a brain injury. And the reason why he's still alive and he is as physically able as he is is because of the NHS. But that's why I can see it different. Because what, what you're talking to is a mongoloid who has got a massive chip on her shoulder about men. That's what it is. She's just the far right of, of feminists because it's a ridiculous statement. Oh, I looked on her Facebook. I mean, the thing is, like... Oh, do you do that, do you? I, no, for this example, I did. Oh, oh, right, the, okay. Do you know the reason I did was because I couldn't find the comment and I wanted to screenshot the um, conversation so I could send it to you for a, prospe- a, a potential John's Angry Rant. But um, I looked on her Facebook and th- there's nothing There's nothing wrong with being a feminist, but there's everything wrong with being an arsehole. Of course. And what she is, is she's a feminist who happens also to be an arsehole. 
And that's what bothered me about her. But there are people who think we should have controlled immigration. There are people who don't want foreigners here. There are people like me who think that religion is a force for evil in the world. There's people who want to uh, want to extradite every Muslim in the country and close every mosque. And she's one of those, isn't she? And Jamie's uh, one of the other ones. Oh, thanks. That's okay. Um, guys, stay off Facebook comments. Stay off of them. Well, to be fair, I was on BBC News. Well, okay, fair enough. My point is I agree with you. I agree with you. Justified angry rants. What do you think about Crick? It's one of them comments you get, she might have had a bad day, a guy was giving her shit, she was feeling a little bit sexist. Let's let burn off some steam on Facebook, see if we can rope a man in to out argue with. She also said point set match at the end, which I'm assuming she means game set match. Yeah, that, that bit was uh, the <laughs> that most... That giveaway. Actually, that is the bit that annoyed me the most about the whole thing. <laughs> I couldn't tell <laughs> point set match. That's someone who doesn't know about tennis. Thus, you shouldn't have an opinion on tennis or pregnancy because you're it's too stupid. Well, we should end it with saying that the conversation that I mentioned that I had a row, his final reply was conversation over. Bye-bye. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, thank you. I um, win. Bye-bye. I will say really quickly, uh, this is not a justification for that kind of behavior, sweeping generalities, being an asshole, anything. Um, but I do understand on some level this t- somewhat twisted logic on on the part of some very extreme feminists that feel the need to make such statements only because of long, long, long history of the other way around. I don't sure. think that's justification. I don't think that should be the way things are. Um, and I'm not trying to defend this person because she no, sounds yeah. like a dum-dum. Um but yeah, that's there. There's my little feminist defense. But I totally agree with you. No, you sure. don't even have to put that in. I was just no. I, no, I think definitely. that's a really. I think that's an awesome contribution. But it's just like when when like I know someone who went through ten years of breast cancer and uh, had to go completely bald and have chemotherapy and radiation. Yeah. And like she's also had children. I wonder what she would say was the more difficult thing that she's done. I also think it's very reductive to women to say if you don't have babies, then you aren't as strong or like you are missing out on the hardest thing that anyone could ever do and by not having babies you're not being a strong woman to both women and men screw that bitch well (laughs) (laughs) happy happy jam news the winner of rupaul's drag race america's next drag superstar is sasha velour Sasha Velour won RuPaul's Drag Race. And and everybody needs to go and watch the video of the so emotional lip sync. uh, Because, (sighs) no, it's so good. John Crick can, can attest that I cried the entire time. And it wasn't just out of personal love and pride for this person who I find incredible as a, as a friend and a human, but it was just really emotional. And well, it was so emotional. It was really powerful because his whole stick, uh, her whole stick, is a dedication to his mother, right, who died of, of cancer. Cancer, yeah, which is why Sasha's bald. Uh, a bald queen doesn't really wear wigs, and a lot of her lip sync performances kind of end bald. Maybe start with a wig and end bald. Yeah, that's really lovely. So she kind of halfway oh. through the performance, she kind of oh. took it off. Like in a really iconic. powerful way. In, in my world, of, in my social media bubble, it's very iconic already. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. 
Yeah, no, it was just, it was a very powerful, cool performance. Yeah. And it's your friend. I know. And now, well, not your friend anymore. She's too famous for She's you too now. famous for me now, <laughs> but I just, I, I want everybody to continue supporting Sasha Valore because her mission is to uplift uh, and shine a light on this really amazing artistic community and give opportunities to LGBT people who have something to say. I, I think it's really nice with this program, which I've yet to watch. I've, I've, I've had a look at it. I've watched some clips, but I haven't watched it through yet. I've got American Gods to get through first. But uh, what I think is really nice is that the show exists because they want to have a drag race. It doesn't exist because they want to shock. It's not Benefit Street. It's not Big Fat Gypsy Wedding. It's not the point of the show. I like the way that it's a, it's, it's a real organic program that's just trying to be what it is. It's not trying to push an no, agenda. It's or, for that community, and then it's expanded to help people understand and accept that community much more readily. And when they go on Netflix, and it's there on Trending Now, right up at the top, and as I say, because it's pushed, it's a completely organic show. It's not pushed as trying to be shocking. It brings it into the mainstream and normalizes these uh, fringes on the mainstream of society. Cook, you're going to love it. I can't wait for you to watch it. I can't wait for everyone to fall in love with Sasha Valora. For the benefit of the podcast, could you sum up in a paragraph what RuPaul's Drag Race is? Because oh, sure. all I know is it's apparently awesome and my friend Heather loves it. Yeah, RuPaul's Drag Race is a reality television show that's sort of like a cross between Project Runway and America's Next Top Model. Oh God, don't tell Charlie this. And But everything's in drag. It's all about how to be a drag queen. I don't know. It's really hard to describe it without making it sound really frivolous and silly, which in some ways it is because drag as an art form is, is a, a form of entertainment and escape. I love drag. Um, but it's, it's also this great avenue, like Cook said, to kind of open people's eyes to different ideas of gender expression in general. But yeah, it's a, it's a reality show and it's the, it's the style of reality show. That's like these people were chosen for this because they are very good at what they do. And through a series of challenges, they will be weeded out until the last queen standing is crowned. Basically it's who's the most fabulous. (laughs) Pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, Yeah. It reminds me about that, about playing it straight, which was a, a, a Channel 4, Channel 5 program. And when it started off, I thought it was really homophobic because it was a woman. And if she picks the straight guy, they both win 50,000. But if she chooses a gay guy, he gets the 100,000. So they do all these tests to, see, to spot how gay they are. So it'd be like... You have to jump out of the helicopter and swim to Zoe. And over time, you started to realise that actually... The point of this show is to highlight people's total generalisation of gay people and all their prejudices. And then a gay guy won it as well. So by the end of it, I was just like, yes, this is great. I've never heard of that. Right, I'm not gay. In fact, I can honestly say I've never come over a little queer. (laughs) Can I jump on Happy Happy Jam news really quickly? Mm. I started American Gods, which is my favourite novel, and now they've turned into a TV series. And it doesn't matter that you guys haven't seen it, because all I want to say is I've never seen a TV show say, if you don't like this, turn away now, is the first episode of American Gods. They use the C word, which we do not use on this podcast, three times in the first episode. A, I can't remember the name of the god, but one of the gods is having sex with a man. It's a hardcore sex scene on a TV program, well, Amazon Prime. 
and then he gets sucked into her vagina at the end of the scene. Then there is about 10 decapitations, people having their intestines cut out in this holy war. And I got to the end of it and I said to Steph, I went, well, if this isn't your cup of tea, you've turned off now, haven't you? Because <laughs> it was, it literally, the whole episode was just going, this might not be for you, but if you make it to the other side, you're going to watch a really good program. Happy, 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 Yeah, and I found it really liberating. I thought it was really good because they didn't, you know, we were talking about last week about money sequels and jumping on the bandwagon. This book means the world to me. It is an incredible book. Neil Gaiman, if you haven't read it, you should read it. The, the point of the book, the book is old gods versus new gods. So there's the, the god of TV, played by Gillian Anderson. So he's walking through the shopping malls and she's on all the screens talking in his ears. So that's like the premise of the show. It's all the gods oh. of old and all the gods of new having a big war. But I just thought it made me really happy because they didn't let anything up. It was the most obscene, violent, vicious, full of bad language... And the idea of you stumbling upon that and it not being for you, you would never you would never watch another episode because of the power of having Amazon Prime and Netflix. Because the whole reason why TV is so homogenised is because you can turn on the TV and be offended by something because it's too extreme. And it's because you're going into other people's living rooms and they're flicking through the TV and they may find it. As soon as something goes on demand... You choose to click on the button and you choose to watch it and they'll give you a warning. Frankie Boyle, he's mm. back on iPlayer. They won't allow him on the BBC. He's only allowed on the iPlayer because you choose to watch Frankie Boyle. You know what you're getting yourself into? Yeah, you can't be fed a Frankie Boyle show. Theresa May has been given a strong mandate to fuck off. And so my overarching happy, happy jam news is that this thing, programmes like American Gods show that they're free from all that now. They've got the same, they've got bigger budgets than TV programmes. They can make, they can get Hollywood actors in, they can do exactly what they want, and there's nothing to stop them from doing it, and I think that's really liberating and mm. a good thing. Having no spark of wit, nothing, except her refusal to let go and tumble away onto the blessed release of the rocks below. <laughs> what a fucking monster. Can I say quickly, as an addendum to your drag race question, if anybody wants to know more about drag as an art form or as a mode of expression, I don't know that much about it, but houseofvalor.com is where you can find uh, Sasha's magazine, which is a really amazing artistic exploration of what drag is and, and kind of illustrates that the point is all about turning traditional gender roles on their head in a in a playful and artistic way basically houseofvalor.com sasha valor hurrah so mr crick the time is upon us <gasps> no way you haven't got your phone out this time so i imagine you're primed and ready not that i'm bitter about it or anything <laughs> this week's black belt and bullshit is nice and simple it's the dup deal with the conservatives or rather the conservatives deal with the dup for our international listeners they want to ban women from Northern Ireland from coming to the mainland United Kingdom to have abortions. I thought you were just going to say that they want to ban women from Northern Ireland. <laughs> they said they want to ban women coming here and they believe that the world is 6,000 years old. They don't believe in dinosaurs. And the more obvious thing is that the Conservatives have paid £100 million per person from the DUP to back them in Parliament. And then today, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, they've passed through the Queen's speech with the help of the DUP, blocking the Labour amendment, which would allow public sector workers to have a, a pay increase over 1%. So now we've got the Conservatives spending a billion pounds of taxpayers' money to keep themselves in power after we had 
even just the nurse with the money tree that we've already mentioned, mm. it's not absolute madness. It's just that desperate clinging to power at any cost. Doesn't matter who the party are. Doesn't matter what the figure is. We have to keep yeah. the power. That's mm. all that matters. No matter who you have to jump into bed with, you're quite right. You can you can risk the IRA bombing the country again. You can risk destroying the, the Good Friday Agreement. You can piss off Wales and Scotland and make them more nationalist because they're not getting the same money. So the DUP will sit and blindly agree with anything the Conservatives say? Whilst at the same time strengthening their own position inside Northern Ireland and they're one half of a serious problem. It's not one half do of a serious good. problem that we have had extensive dealings with and are going to continue to, so we're partisan now. The Good Friday Agreement is there to protect us all in this country as well as Ireland and this could affect that negatively, massively. What do you think, Crick? Terrible. Like, even this week with uh, uh, them voting against the pay increases for public sector workers, as soon as that happens, you're like, hold on, you've just given a billion to Northern Ireland. So that's going to be talked about. She hasn't really got any excuse to to not end austerity all over the UK now. Yeah. she's ended it in Northern Ireland. And the first conflict of that, I don't know, because this was pre-podcast days, but they had a 10% pay increase, the MPs, at the same time that they said they were going to stick 1% onto public sector workers. So they were lining their own pockets whilst refusing to do it for public sector workers. And now they're willing to hand over a billion pounds. And it's not even just a billion pounds to... If it was... If it was to the SNP, which I know wouldn't happen to Conservative SNP coalition, but if it was to the SNP, the SNP, whether you agree with their politics, they're good people, for the most part, the same way as all the other parties are. They're fairly progressive. They're progressive. What's interesting now is that Ruth Davison, was it Davis? Davis. Davis, thank you. The leader of the Scottish Conservatives. She has said that Conservative votes are not guaranteed in Scotland if it is not in the best interests of Scotland. I, I didn't realise, and it's the first time I've heard the leader of the Scottish Conservatives say that I'm not your lapdog and I represent Scottish Conservatives, not English Conservatives, and I'm a, a gay female who is ha- happily married and I'm not going to allow you to have the DUP walk all over our rights because you want votes. Mm. And, and I always found her smarmy, soundbite-ish, constantly as she is, and as soon as she said that, my opinion completely changed and I thought, actually, you're really good. She's really good. She's showed a lot of integrity. She's the she typifies like she's undoubtedly a very very strong person. I admire that in her character. She's very um, and I can't imagine the position that she is in at the moment, having with her party making dealings with a, another party who basically reject homosexuality as a lifestyle. But what's amazing is that the DUP is ten MPs, and Conservative Scotland is eleven MPs. So all that billion pounds and all of this risk of destroying the Good Friday Agreement and everything else, the return of barbaric laws, she still commands more power than the DUP do. So she could actually be a force for good. Why not ally with the Scottish Conservatives? Well, they're one party. They are one party, yeah. but because Scotland oh, is I devolved... Oh, I see, I see, I see. So it's still the Tory party. It's still the Tory okay, party. But so I, I see. It's not a different... Yeah, they're, yeah. The, they're the same party, but I didn't realise... But I'm the same as you, because I didn't realise until recently that she can control those MPs right. against the party. Almost kind of like backbenchers do. Like, backbenchers mm-hmm. are people who are MPs, but not in the cabinet. Mm-hmm. 
So they, they go in there going, well, my constituency needs more money for hospitals. And they go, sit down and shut up and vote on this and get their whip out. They would deal with anyone. They went through the whole election criticising Corbyn for having conversations with the IRA 30, 40 years ago. And they've gone and joined with the other side. I'll play a clip. I have no doubt that in that type of a situation, I would be out on the streets with the people. With arms? Yes, with arms. And he's an MP that we've just done, our government's done a deal with. So that's my black belt and bullshit. Uh, that's a good one. Corbyn's actually five points up. That's some happy, happy Jeremy news. Do well, you know it, that? I've seen two yes. polls that put him, if there was another vote, Labour would win. It's very, very shaky, if I can make a prediction, which we don't have a jingle for. Cook predicts. I think we're going to have another election this year. That's what I think. I think that the the coalition of chaos is so shaky. And I think the DUP aren't just going to accept this one thing now. I think there'll be more concessions they'll want along the way, particularly with other laws coming in. Not all of them for the worst, by the way. The DUP have opposed certain conservative policies that were horrible. That's what we were saying about them being missing from the Queen's speech. A lot of that is actually because of the DUP, because they didn't want the triple lock uh, changing. And they also didn't want the winter fuel allowance removed. That's what that is saying. Yeah, here's the crazy thing. We just spent the last 10 minutes talking about how nuts the DUP is. And they're stopping the Conservatives (laughs) from doing bad things. So that says a lot for the Tory party. I think it's shaky ground... The Brexit negotiations, we're doing a lot more research on this. Europe is it's gonna, it's taking the piss out of us. And I don't mean that is in a slagging off way. I mean in a good for them way. Because <laughs> they are banding themselves together. They know she's weak. They know she hasn't got a majority. They can go on their phones and see the same press that we see. Well, they're going to be looking for a check now, aren't they? I mean, look, I mean, the, the whole 100 billion number was bandied around just posturing, nothing more. But they are now going to be waiting to line their pockets because they realise that Theresa May, the strong and stable Conservative government, are willing to write a cheque to solve problems. Buy votes. A billion pound bribe. How much do they want? 100 billion. That was just a figure that was... That, that was, yeah, that was just basically... To wind, it, to wind term, us up. David Davis, who is somewhat of a... I, I think, Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not a fan, but he is kind of a realist in, in that he, he brings it down to... You can't just you can't just three months into a phone contract get say, I'm giving the phone back and I want all of the money back that I invested. You can't do that. We have a lot of fingers and a lot of pies within the EU still. So there is probably going to be some sort of a number associated with leaving... But 100 billion was just a term, it was just a number that somebody made up to for political posturing, nothing more. He goes on question time and he sits there and he looks so proud because he's the man that's doing it. Yeah. But it's the shittest job in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you want I that can't job? I can imagine, because in, I do think in 20, 30 years, he, he will be truly, well, a lot of people involved in leaving the EU in England will be like absolute villains completely. Like, like the way. We see Thatcher now, and she talks about from the left, but I think it would probably be worse than that. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Here's, here's the way I think about it. I voted to remain. I was hoping that we would remain. Now that we're not, fuck it, let's just see what happens. I mean, let's face it, we've gambled with several generations' worth of futures here. Why not just go, <laughs> let's, let's leave the single market, let's leave the customs union, let's uh, let's stop all immigration so as we all get old and die without any money because there's nobody here to do any of the remedial jobs that we need that we need doing. We see betting and charity shops in every town now and traditional high street shops closing down. And in a lot of ways, our government kind of reflects that because they are gambling 
consistently with all our stuff. And we all will end up at using charity, <laughs> using charity shops. shops. It's kind of like, oh, all you need, here you go, gamble away and then go and get some charity. This is the future, guys. It used to be, do you want to go and buy some clothes? Do you want to go and buy some electrical goods? It's now, it's like, you need food, alcohol and gambling. 30 years from now, I, I would place money that we'll be in the EU. Even if Brexit goes all the way through and we leave, I think it's, it's going to be... It's just going to be a, a boomerang effect. That's interesting. I completely disagree. And if we have to go in there, well, let's save this for another day, yeah, for next yeah. episode. But if we have to go back in, we're going to have to be in the Schengen zone. Oh, yeah. We're going to have to be Euro. part of the Euro. There are so many things the EU has allowed, because we're the second biggest economy inside the EU, there are so many provisions they've allowed us to be in a, in a, in a, a really good position. Oh, if we walk back in that room, we are hunched over, walking backwards, waiting to get fucked by the entire of the EU yeah. because there is no way they'd have us back unless they can make an example out of us yeah I might be able to help you oh well that would be fantastic it's going to cost you 50 quid though mate no alright see you later yes oh listen one more thing will you ask for it again but like a lady in a lady's voice and with Macron getting into power that gave them such a relief oh yeah that the EU project wasn't dead if Absolutely. Le Pen had got into power Europe would fracture left right and centre mm. but also it's been said a million times why are they going to give us a good deal where we can exist outside of the EU and still benefit from it when all the other countries that are paying into this system aren't going to go and do the same thing? And the EU will collapse, so they're never going to allow that. They're going to punish us. Just remember, Cook, no deal is better than a bad deal. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Unless yeah. you're making a deal with the DUP. Yeah, in which case you're all fucked. Bless up one time. Street out the Whitam Ross Clark. Let me know. Bye-bye. I want to say something about this podcast in general. I'm sorry, Jamie. No, Apologies. no, please do. Well, I think podcasting, regardless of how many people listen to this little shindig that we have once every week, is a tremendous way to meet up with like-minded, nice people and just have a good old social. So cheers for that, everybody. It's great. It's rather lovely. I, I think it's nice that it's different with all of you because me and Jamie didn't know each other before we podcasted, so our entire friendship is pretty much recorded with Mr Crick we obviously went to school together and used to bunk off to go and buy scotch eggs to sell at a premium uh, on our <laughs> lunch breaks and I didn't Jordan. see you for years Jordan. yeah cheers Jordan. thanks Jordan. and with Hatton we, we just couldn't line up to be friends no. full time for years it's true and the podcast did it so it's true it's special. It's all thanks it's great, to the verbal ramblers. It's a great excuse to... See uh, what the verbal yeah. ramblers can do for you. <laughs> what a masturbatory end to a podcast. <laughs> and also, just because we're being all lovely and fluffy, if you're ever wondering where the name come from, I went on Twitter and every name in the world was taken. And I sat there for about over an hour thinking, what am I going to have as a name? I'm not having any numbers on the end. And then verbal rambler come into my head. And it wasn't taken. That's so. so cool. It's a really cool name. It is. Thanks for letting us uh, pluralise it and joining you. Yeah, I did think I should probably get the handle Verbal Ramblers. Maybe then someone might actually tweet us. <laughs> if you go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Verbal Ramblers, we will put a link to the website that you mentioned. Yes, we will. Houseofvalor.com. Link coming. We'll put that up there within a week.
Brace yourselves. <laughs> yeah, we're very fast. Well, thank you very much to everyone for listening. Thanks, Cheers, Steph. Steph. Thanks, Steph. She's outside. Should probably go. Bye, bye. My oh my, what a wonderful day. Plenty of sunshine in my way. Zip-a-dee-doo-dah, zip-a-dee-doo-dah.